Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Relating and Recovery podcast. I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name's Dustin. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. My name is Jay. We are just two guys learning to live and grow in recovery. We are sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we find it important to tell you that we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We're just a couple of guys trying to stay sober and maybe, just maybe, help someone else along the way. Maybe. I'd like to point out that we are not experts. We are not here to teach you anything either. We want to share experience, strength, and hope, and possibly inspire, and have some healthy but sometimes difficult conversations about recovery. So, join us, Relating in Recovery Podcast. Man in the glass, the only one to please, never mind all the rest, we'll relate in recovery, recovery. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Relating in Recovery podcast. I'm an alcoholic and an addict, my name's Dustin. Hey Dust, hey, how Dustin. you doing man? How's it going, boys? Good. My, Good. Name's, my name's Jay. I'm an alcoholic and drug addict. Hey, Jay. What's happening? Uh, well, we got a guest in the studio today that I'm super lit about. Introduce yourself, my brother. Uh, my name is Glenn Adams. I'm in recovery. I'm a clinical supervisor for Renaissance Treatment Centers. All, All right. right. Welcome, brother. Welcome, Fantastic. Glenn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is exciting, man. Well, uh, folks, listen. This is uh, We don't normally drop what episode we're at, but this is number 10, so... Uh, this is our final episode of season one. What a journey, right. man! Woo. Holy, yes. we've touched on some really great topics, eh, Dust? Yeah, we've had a we, we've so far it's been great, right? Some you know, important we, stuff. We did we nailed down uh, perspective and perception. We talked about expectations, right? That uh, that second episode about treatment centers was gold, man. Yeah. yeah. Step one when uh, Jordan came in and we talked about reservations. Yeah. Remember the little guy hanging from the. Uh, Monkey bars hanging on with the one arm, swinging to the other one. Yeah, oh, that I was love that analogy. That was, I know, that was good. It's so yeah. good. Uh, and then, of course, Ryan. Eh, that was that was like a comedy special, right? Re- <laughs> reinventing ourselves. I don't even know if we touched on that. Did we even uh, touch on that? In like, there? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. It wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then the kids, right? Yeah. The kids in recovery. Yeah. I've had powerful like, a lot of um, a lot of feedback on that episode, eh? Awesome. I had a lot of really positive stuff. Right? Jody was amazing that episode. Jody was amazing, man. Um, then of course gratitude. I mean, hello. Yeah. Right? And then um with when, when Stacy came in, oh validation, uh, validation, bro. Yeah, that you was know? that was a good episode. I, I, I'm excited for that to come out. You know, and then uh, of course uh, impermanence, right? Yeah. Everything's in a constant state uh-huh. of change, right? Yes. Including us, right? Yeah. Right now, in this moment, right? right. Um, so just before we begin, right, I, we mentioned at the end of last week's episode, um, we were talking a little bit, little bit about um, Relating Recovery, the, the, the vision again, and we talked about uh, the Facebook group um, and how it's grown legs and it's, it's helping start to, you know, it's ch- people are connecting, yeah. right? And it's an opportunity for to change lives, right? Yeah. To um, become a, a, a community, right? If, know, uh, and yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, check us out on, on Facebook, Relating in Recovery uh, group. And uh, we're, we're also on Instagram uh, at Relating in Recovery. And uh, yeah, it, it's just been, it's amazing. Uh, lots of little miracles happening. People people connecting in recovery and, and having having some fun and getting well, right? You should, you should see the hat Dustin's wearing. 
It's like Donnie Brasco. Hey, what's up? Remember Donnie Brasco? What's I up? like it. Al Pacino, man. It's good. Very cool. It's very fancy. Thank I you. Even, I wouldn't even know what to call that. I guess it's like a beige, black, brown, gray thing. I don't know what to do. It's, it's, a, it's a multicolor. Probably matches it's like that. Kevlar. Bulletproof. Yeah, it does look like yeah. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. should be in a tank. You should be like working in a tank. You should have oh, a whole suit just oh, like that. Oh, a suit. You match your tattoo on the back. Hey. Awesome. What? I thought we weren't going to talk about that today. <laughs> He's half lasered <laughs> off, so now it, now it just looks like a half a... I don't even remember what... <laughs> I have people calling me about that, but about the tattoo. Like, when did when did you get that? Yeah. What know. is it of? Oh, it's a giant um, pineapple. Purple one. <sighs> purple pineapple. Yeah, it's like... This, it's like That's awesome. It's like, it's like 28 inches high. Remember it's when? Like 11 inches wide. Really? And now it's half removed. It's half laser removed. I so sense now it's a story. <laughs> no, well, was, that's for season two. Yeah. Okay. This, this okay. Very in, good. Very good. This was in sobriety. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so. I was so sick. Oh. Okay, Jay. So what do you want to talk about? Well, today, before buddy? before we continue, I just want to also, um, you know, so this will be our last episode of the season. We are going to come finale. back in the new year. Um, we are looking in. Uh, Potentially into uh, into into having some video uh, next season as well. But the biggest thing that I'm going to throw out at you guys is uh, we have a there, there may be um, a bonus episode launched the week of Christmas that's going to blow your mind, baby. Like tons of guests, tons of fun. All right, you should. Oh my goodness, it's going to be exciting. But we won't get into that right now. I just wanted to keep you guys posted that something's in the works. Hey, look, man. Um, I was about. I don't know, six months sober. And I had come out of my treatment, uh, the treatment center for the second time, um, where I met Glenn, by the way, who was a, a big impact on my journey. So I'm incredibly humbled and blessed to have you here today, Glenn. Thank you. Um, but I remember I was at work and I remember uh, one, of my, one, of my, one of the guys, I don't, I don't wanna, so I, I remember a guy there, one of my bosses, he said to me, um, he pulled me aside, he says, you know, you're looking good, man. You're looking good. You, you're doing some good things here, right? I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. I'm feeling good. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I knew all along, like, all you really needed was some willpower. <laughs> so he said to me, so he said to me, right? Yeah. And I, and I remember stopping dead in my tracks and I remember looking at him for a split second. There was like a, like a, a pause, but it, it felt like 15 minutes, but it was like five seconds. But I was just looking at him and I'm like, you know, buddy, you're absolutely right. I never thought of that. What a novel idea. I mean, just try? Who knew? Yeah. Those words changed my life. <laughs> right? I mean, like, we all know, like, it wasn't that. That's, that's not how this goes down, right? If all it took was effort. <laughs> yeah. If all it took was a want and for me to try, you know, there wouldn't have been such a path of devastation and destruction to get me here. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we wouldn't be here right now. That's for you sure. Know, power of choice. So, I mean, I mean, is it a disease or isn't it? Mm -hmm. And right? this is really where we kind of pick up on some of the, well, I would say the most fundamental basic question of all. Because, you know, what are we trying to manage here exactly? Uh, what, what makes addiction a disease? And really, if we can in ingrain that uh, into a reco recovery-oriented practice and we can really deeply analyze these things, and we can integrate them into our psyche, then we know what kind of a goal we're shooting for. And we know really what we're up against, right? Because we're up yeah. against that 300 pound gorilla. Every time we choose to walk through that door of using, we get clobbered yeah. Yeah, man. every totally. single time. Yeah. And why can't we use willpower? 
You know, what part of our brain does willpower actually exist in? Where does addiction live actually in our brain? So we were talking just before we, we, we went on uh, live here in terms of uh, the disease of addiction. And so we know that with 12-step recovery, we're opening up with the doctor's opinion. Yeah. We mm. talk about it and, and illness. And we know that's true. And they use a really good analogy in terms of an allergy. Yeah. Right? So it's just so when I take a drink, I have an, what's an allergy? It's an abnormal reaction. Right. So I have an abnormal reaction that other people don't have. But it goes beyond that. And, you know, in, in, with the disease model of addiction, with the disease model uh, in its most basic form, there's an organ, there's a defect in that organ, and then there's a symptom. So if I break my leg, the organ is my leg, the defect is the break, and the symptom is I bleed and I scream, right? <laughs> That's it. So, yeah. so, but what have we been doing for years with people with addiction is we've been treating the symptom. Yeah. Because with addiction, the organ is the brain. The defect is the actual reward mo motivational pathway, the interruption in that circuitry. And then the symptoms are all bad behavior. Right. Now we know who's been treating addiction almost as mo you know, probably more than the medical psychiatric community, and that's the criminal justice system. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah. so many of us are in jail because of the fact that we do bad things, yeah. right? We lie, we cheat, we steal. But, but what would happen if I go back to the leg analogy, what would happen if I'm bleeding and screaming and all they do is treat my symptom, right? Right. Nothing, wow. we Nothing. don't treat any causality. Right. So this is something that we really have to dig into because we call addiction a brain disease. And part of that, uh, that uh, the healing of this, it takes about a year because we've got the advent of fMRIs, brain scans, all those wonderful things, the CT scans. We know it takes a male brain, uh, approximately, who's been diagnosed with severe substance use disorder, uh, approximately about a year. So, and I, I may mention male brain because that's the study that, that I, can, I can recall right off the top of my head. So, and it's been replicated many, 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 many times. So people are really, especially in their first year, uh, very susceptible to relapse. Right. Uh, we also know that there's four main quadrants that we have to use when we're looking at healing our brain. We have to look at biology, we have to look at psychology, we have to look at sociology, and we have to look at spirituality. Boom. So now this is all stuff that I learned in school, right? And I'm thinking to myself, this is wonderful, all these light bulbs are coming on, but yeah. in the back of my mind I'm going, hang on, I've already read this somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And as I was mentioning to Dustin, I'm not one of these guys that can recall, you know, line by line, paragraph by paragraph, page by page in the big book. I know where things are. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I do recall, because you, it was Google. so important, was <laughs> page 19, bottom page 19, where Bill Wilson said in 1939, we're going to have to talk about matters physical. So there, there's your physiological. Yeah. Matter psychiatric, right? So there's your, your, uh, your psychological. He said social. And then he said religious, because that was the term of the day rather than spiritual. Right. Yeah. Like that dude wow. nailed it in 1939. Amazing. Wow. I, and, 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 and it took uh, until 2013 until the American Society of Addiction Medicine had basically the same definition. Amazing, eh? Nice. So wow, nice. if anybody is, is thinking that 12-step programming doesn't have any science to it, 
Mm. Well, that's all that it is. Yeah. And then we can go off in many other episodes and all of the different types of therapy that is under the sun that's covered in 12-step. Uh, recovery-oriented practice. Right. Yeah. We've got reality therapy. Yeah. We've got solution focus. CBT. We've got CBT. Yeah. We've got DBT. Yeah. We've got acceptance and commitment therapy. It's all <laughs> packed in there, man. Right? It's all packed yeah. in there. Yeah. It's okay. a crazy, like all yeah. of the different modalities that I got to study and then incorporate, they're all in the 12 steps. Yeah. So when I have a look at uh, these, these four quadrants, uh, which we look at and going back to the disease model of addiction, it's like, so, so why, why, oh, why can't I just use my willpower like you opened up with? Right? So, and, and when they start to actually look at the brain and how everything is developed. So back, there's an experiment called the Olds experiment, which is very, very famous. It's been replicated thousands of times where they took a rat, which they like to work with because they've got a short gestation period. They can yeah. work with many, many, many rats. Uh, and they wanted to find out exactly where drugs worked in the brain. And rats' brains are very similar to ours, right? Hopefully ours are just a bit bigger. Yeah, hopefully. So, hopefully. so they actually took... That's up for debate. That's another episode. Yeah. So, so they took a probe, right, which I'm sure the rat didn't like very much, but, but they, they started to stick it in all these different lobes of the rat's brain to figure out where addiction actually worked. So yeah, they were sticking the occipital lobe, the parietal lobe, like what's going on? And then they thought, okay, the prefrontal cortex. So the front part of my brain, where I'm doing all of my thinking, where the seat of myself is, where even I think spirituality can live, Yeah. right? So, cause if not, have you ever talked to anybody with a frontal lobotomy, right? I mean, they don't, they, they're not exactly they're great conversationalists. They've lost, they've so. lost their Exactly, it's all gone. <laughs> so, but this is also where our impulse control can live as well where executive functioning, our, our co most of our cognitive abilities yeah. will, will live. So, so they stuck the probe into the rat's head and, of course, injected the rat uh, with, with cocaine, and, and nothing happened. So, and I should go back because there's different variations of this experiment. The most famous one is with the rat with the lever. So where he goes over, he's got the probe in his head, and he pushes the lever to get a dose of uh, cocaine water. Uh, and, uh, and then if, he's, if the probe is being stuck into his parietal lobe, occipital lobe, he doesn't go back. So same thing with his prefrontal cortex. And they were actually like, wow, we didn't expect that to happen. Right. But then they got it into the midbrain, which is where the reward motivational pathway lives. And so when that happens, the rat would go over, push the lever, get a dose of cocaine, and of course, always continue to go back. Right. Now, this happened over a course of days. So the rat is always continually dosing himself without sleep, right? He wouldn't eat. Hmm. He wouldn't drink. They even brought in special Polish stripper rats. He wouldn't even look at them. Right? He wouldn't even look at these rats. So, so and, and, and he kept pressing yeah. the lever yeah. until the cocaine was gone and continued to press the lever until he was dead. Right? Wow. So they're like, okay, hmm. now we know. So what does that actually mean? Okay, good. We understand it really groups up our reward motivational pathway. Uh, but to cut to the chase is that there's something very interesting that also lives in the, re the reward motivational pathway, and that's your survival drive. So we have our food, flight, fight, and freeze, right? right, yeah. right. So, uh, and uh, when we're looking at that, this is something that we have to utilize to keep alive continuously. That 
portion of our brain isn't concerned about what's going to happen next week or next year. It's concerned about what's happening in the next 10 seconds. What's going on? So, and you can't outthink that part of the brain because the way that your brain works is from the bottom up. So it starts with your involuntary uh, uh, um, animal brain, your reptilian brain, they call it, right? You're breathing, you're blinking, like all right. your, you know, you're not, I'm right. not going right now, come on, spleen, work, work. Right? <laughs> it just works, man. It just, yeah, works, it just works, right? Your brain's controlling all that stuff, uh, right? Yeah. And involuntary, we don't even have to worry about it. Then we've got our midbrain, which is our survival drive system, right. where our reward motivational pathway is. And then the, the knowledge, the, uh, the input focuses or filters up to our prefrontal cortex so we can make decisions, uh, we can regulate impulse, we can regulate our mood, uh, we can think about things, we can change our thought process, right? Where all of our speech, come, like all that kind of stuff, right? Is yeah. all integrated in there. So uh, when addiction winds up worming its way in to the survival drive and that's really where the line is crossed so we talk about the moderate temperate person the moderate drinker the moderate user even the hard drinker the hard user then they cross over that line and that really is the difference when it actually worms its way into the survival drive so you can't outthink it because of the fact that uh, your midbrain gets first dibs at everything so, so I was talking to Dustin about this earlier, but there's good news and bad news. So, so the good news is, and I use the analogy of a CD tower, you know, the old towers, yeah. you know, your CD. Yeah, I, still, I still got one. So, yeah, so you can actually <laughs> wind up driving that down, the addiction down into the basement of your survival drive system. Um, but what brings it up, I'll tell you, is always stress. Stress is the number one enemy of all of us in recovery. Right. especially in the first year our stress response system is absolutely decimated and we can't distinguish between i use the analogy of a paper cut and then like a huge major tragedy yeah, right yeah. where someone's dead our brain can't can't wind up making sense of that it treats everything right as the nail and we only have one tool and that's the hammer yeah. Right. And the hammer's filled with vodka and crystal meth. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And, right. And that's what we do. So we got to hit it with everything. <clears throat> right. right. And so, and over time, I'm sure you guys, I think you guys have, I've heard it, you guys have talked about resiliency yeah. and recovery, right. how that stuff, as the brain starts to heal. And we know this because we can take pictures, snapshots of everybody recovering month by month by month right. by month. Right. And we can see their brain changing. Right? But only if they're doing recovery-oriented practices will it be accelerated oh, right? and really be meaningful. In a lot of cases, people actually are more intelligent. They have better memory. They have uh, a much softer personality. They smell better. <clears throat> they smell better yeah. Yeah, and, than they ever did before. Amazing. Which is why so many of us can go back and go back to school and go, holy, my God. I'm not that dumb. Like <laughs> yeah. I, like I'm not as stupid I, as I thought I was. Right? I can identify. Right? Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. And so when we're doing See? these things, and, and you know, I talked about uh, the good news about putting the addiction down in the basement of your survival drive system. So, but once it's in there, the bad news is it never leaves, which explains why when people are 20 years sober and they go back out, 
And again, 99.9% .9 of the time it's stress-based, mm -hmm. right? So they typically stop doing the things that we all know that you guys have talked about. They've stopped going to meetings. They've stopped doing these things. They could even be going to meetings. Who knows? Right, Who yeah, knows right. what's happening in their right. life? God knows what amount of stress it would take for me to go back out because yeah. I'm not immune. No. So yeah. I don't know what that Absolutely. would take. So, uh, uh, but once they go back out, all of a sudden they're just as bad or worse. So what happens? Because it's never left the survival drive system. Right. Now it goes up to the number one position. Mm. So imagine that, you know, you're in the desert and this is the third day. How many days can you live without water? Three days? I don't, I don't know. know. Four? Maybe, maybe four. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, you're, yeah. so you're in the third Something or fourth like day, right? Now you're trying to use your willpower to tell yourself you're not thirsty hmm. because this is also part of your survival, survival drive system. Right. 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 Now you can mentally trick yourself for a while. Yeah. Right. That you're not thirsty, but you know damn well that if it comes right down to it, Dustin, Jay, you will kill another human being for a glass of water. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the way we're designed. Yeah. Right. That's how we self-preserve. Right. Right. So now nothing else becomes important in your life except that glass of water. You have to have <laughs> that or yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. Right. That's exactly the same signal that addiction sends. Right when it's in your survival drive, uh, which means this is why we drive to the dealers high with our kids in the back seat. Right. This is why our health goes to shit. Right. This is why we lose our jobs, we lose our teeth, we lose our relationships, we lose our self worth, our dignity. All of it goes by the wayside because the brain is going must, must, must. Wow. I have to have it. You're powerful man. Yeah. Now again, but when we knock the physical, when we knock the drugs and the alcohol out of somebody's system. Now it starts to ratchet down, which is one of the best things that treatment actually does. I remember hearing Jordan say on your podcast, treat, or treatment will get people sober, but it won't keep people sober. Right. Right. And that's so true, right? right? That's, there's, no, there's no truer statement than that because of the fact that people get to go and what happens after the first couple of days, and you guys can chime in with your own experience. I know when I was in treatment that after the third day, after I realized that Okay, this place isn't so bad and my anxiety started to drop mm. my stress level started to drop right. as well right right and then of course right before i graduated i didn't want to leave yeah it was right yeah. Exactly. I, don't know. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to go i don't yeah. want to go i don't want to go home i don't want to go home so right. it goes the opposite mm -hmm. yeah that was my experience too right uh, as soon as i started to to yeah the stress came down a little bit uh started thinking about going home and i'm like oh god right you know and yeah. and which in my case, uh, I was very fortunate that that fear drove me to make some some proper decisions for myself. Right, I got mm. connected with with uh, some people in the program, a sponsor, you know, all that stuff that they tell you to do in treatment. And yeah, man, but it's uh, yeah, it, it, I, I had yeah. some fear there, it definitely, yeah. until until I worked the steps. Fear right? is powerful. Fear, fear, you know, fear one of the things we know is it's got a short shelf life. Yes. Like yeah. how many times yes. have we been fearful? and sworn off we're never going to do this again oh my right? god we might oh have dodged gosh. a bullet maybe we took a bullet i said that right? last four yes. o'clock this yeah. morning i had a butter turd i was like i'm never doing this again <laughs> exactly. I woke up this morning i'm I was like oh those butter turds oh look good exactly right <laughs> i was yeah, reading so a paper um, last it. night and it was uh, i don't know what university in the states but it was talking about um so i mean like even on the science aspect there's some there's some um some um, um it's still divided even in the science according to this this paper i was reading and I'm certainly not going to quote it, but it was um, uh, uh, it was talking about uh, they were arguing the fact that it's not a disease, that this is not a disease. And, mm -hmm. they, and this was their argument. Their argument was simply that, look, if you had uh, diagnosed with cancer, 
Um, this is one of their examples that if, if you were diagnosed with cancer and you were to get locked up into a cell, you still have cancer. If you are an alcoholic and you were locked up in a cell, now you are no longer suffering from alcoholism. And therefore, I know we all have our own, we already have a, we, we understand. Um, yeah. I, at least I can identify with the, how, how sick my brain is without booze. Yeah. I, I actually recognize that as the bigger problem than anything to do with ever picking up a drink. Um, yeah. but, the, but this study was, or not study, let me rephrase that. This paper was, um, was really referring to the fact that um, it's a, it's a behavioral choice. And if we were to stop behaving in such a way and stop making these choices, then that is our end all be all. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that's the division right? because that's a science. Yeah, it's a, a science, damn good argument. It's a science community that's yeah. actually saying this, right. As opposed to, you know, um, the, the, uh, the alternative, which would be like to, uh, complete, uh, you know, throw my hands up in the air, completely surrender and say, tell me what to do. Right, which absolutely. ended up being the only solution for me. Yeah, and this has really been kind of choice theory, you know. So, and what that one of the best arguments I've heard is is that you know, in terms of behavior and choice theory, is that okay? It's like okay, Mister Addict, uh, like you're Jonesing, right? So <laughs> here I've got I've got a nice syringe here filled with cocaine, right? Go ahead and shoot up. It's on the house, right? Like no strings attached, right? So you roll up your sleeve, and then all of a sudden I pull out a gun and I say, if you if you stick this in your arm, I'm going to blow your head off, and you don't shoot up, and then the choice theorists go, see, it's a choice, yeah, right? But it, mm. The problem is it doesn't mm. go deep enough. So we know that the addict, they will wind up because of the survival drive. So remember the scale. So all of a sudden, your addiction went from the number one spot. Now it went to number two. Now you're actually going to preserve your entire life. Yeah. That's number one now. right? But that addiction in the survival drive system never went away. So, and, and when you can manipulate the gun away from me, wrestle it, con me out of it, whatever mm. it is, that's the first thing that you're going to go for, right? Of course, because your stress is so elevated. Right. Yeah. So the other part when, when, when people use about a cancer analogy, and I, I've read that many times, and they're all good arguments. So the problem is, is that it, it typically looks at one aspect, which is the physiological Right? And we talk about the disease of addiction having four pieces to treatment. We have to look at it in its entirety. You can actually separate any one of those out and make the same argument. You can make anyone out that you just have to find God and that's it. Right? You can just look at the rat park study uh, yeah, that, uh, right. that involved the rat that, that has to be in that wonderful social circle right. and you're not going to use. You can look at the psychiatric, the psychological quadrant and make the same argument and say if you only did CBT and DBT, you'd be fine. Right. So the problem is, is this is why we've been so fucked up for such a long time in terms of the professions that we seek out because none of them have come together. Right. Except in 12-step philosophy, yeah. where we have to examine, if we allow ourselves, the physiological, the psychological, the social, and then the spiritual. You, if Bill. we don't have those four together, so I'm sitting, how many legs are on my stool? You got four. I got four, four. right? So let's wipe out the spiritual angle completely. I can, I can balance on this stool with three legs for a while. Yeah. Some work. And then I'm going to fall over, yeah. right, if I don't put a leg down. Definitely. What yeah. if I do it on two legs? Mm. What if I do, what if I just stop drinking, right? And then I hang out with some decent people, right? 
<laughs> I'm still, I'm eventually going to fall over. Yeah, definitely. I need, I got four legs on this <laughs> stool. Jay liked that one. I, I got four <laughs> legs on this man, and this is how I'm staying stock yeah. still and balanced and whole yeah. and, and, uh, and intact because I'm using the biopsychosocial spiritual. Yeah. So this is really where their arguments start to fall apart because they only take one slice of the pie. So let's say that all the medical profession and the psychiatric profession is wrong. Let's say that, that you, can, you can refute the disease model, right? So what are we gonna replace it with? Choice. How? Yeah. How? How are we going to replace it with choice? Because you that, know, would that, be, that tells you that the that, that tells be. you that the addict has got willpower. <laughs> that tells you that the addict's got willpower over the disease, right. right? And I'm talking about there's different times, right? We're talking about when are we looking at exercising our willpower? Are we looking at exercising it when we are two years sober, or when we're really craving and white knuckling? Right. So we're talking about craving and white knuckling. Yes. Okay, so what do we do then with our willpower? Again, we go back to what we know is solid brain science, which isn't refutable about in terms of what actually happens. So why can't we outthink and use willpower, right? And so because it just goes beyond the brain science as well, of course, we know that if we just hop all the way to the other end of the scale in the spiritual, so it talks about unaided will. It doesn't talk about our willpower isn't any good. So we have to take a, a set of principles, spiritual in nature, and we actually harness it and embed it into our willpower. Right. So right that's on, what man. we wind up doing. Yeah. So we use our willpower the right way that we'll say God intended us yeah. to so use not, it. It's not that it's non-existent. It's well, just, what's the unaided will? It's yeah. like, there you go, I'll have another butter tart. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's my unaided will, yeah. right, for sure. But, yeah. if, but if I look at a principle, well, on, what right am back. I doing? I'm, we're gonna look at honesty if I'm honest with myself. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I got to focus on what I need to focus on. So, so there's those things. So, so you're right about like, uh, like, what do we fall back on? If we fell back on choice theory, right. we would put addiction treatment on its ass by 75 years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because you know what? You can't control your use. Therefore, your symptoms are all that I see. And if you can't do it, right, you've got weak will, you're no good. And see, that's what I told you. Pack your bags and get out of my house. Right, right. Right? You don't have a disease. Yeah. You're just weak. Yeah. Right? And so this is where what we're really up against, right? And yeah. if we don't take this whole thing in its entirety of the biopsychosocial spiritual, if we don't take this, and people can use this in everyday wellness. It doesn't oh, yeah. just mean, mean, mean with, uh, with our uh, recovery from addiction and mental health. Yeah. And then we have a look, we know addiction is so complex. You can go to a psychiatrist and be diagnosed with substance use disorder. Your family doctor, you can go to a medical professional and be diagnosed with substance use disorder. However, you cannot go to a psychiatrist and be diagnosed with cancer. And you also cannot go to your family doctor and be diagnosed with avoidant personality disorder. Right. So we know that there's a huge overlap. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. With these two things. Right? right. So it's not like you can't, you actually can't take the standard measures uh, that people would apply with a normal illness. Hmm. That's what we're up against. Cause it's huge. There's four, there's four huge quadrants. And when we get people to do a wellness plan, we have to address all of them. Right. right. So we have to address the, the physiological. Okay. So we've taken away the meth and the booze and the cocaine sure. and the opiates. So now what? These are basic things like we all know how to do, right? Proper nutrition. It's amazing how mm. much we can lack in this area, right? Because we've exactly. been treating ourselves like crap. 
So, uh, and we know that the nutrients that we put into our body are so huge. Exercise, another huge thing. Sleep, another huge thing. And then, of course, we have a lot of overlapping things like medication-assisted therapy, right? So I don't, and, and this is one of the things where, you know, we try in 12-step not to have an opinion, right, on these outside issues in mm-hmm. terms of people, but some people we know clinically mm-hmm. really need these things. Yeah, right. This is the reason right. why they used in the first place, yeah. right. right? They were right. actually uh, uh, medicating uh, an existing or a pre-existing mental health issue. Yeah, right. you see so, that a lot, right? People yeah, really yeah. struggling with that kind of stuff, yeah. Absolutely. I keep thinking what you just said about sleep, uh, exercise, and nutrients and think, oh my God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, these are all things that we do over the course is progress, not perfection. Right. Yeah. Right. And and uh, and uh, I, I'm no saint, and I certainly have done my fair <laughs> share of things in recovery that weren't good for me: smoking, drinking all kinds of caffeine. But over time, over time, these things, over time, <laughs> these things can change up. because I, I recognize and, and getting into this model and trying to give myself the very best chance. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you know. Uh, you're going to relapse because you drink Tim Hortons and you smoke. Like that is, that's, that's not what I'm saying, yeah. right? Not yeah. at all. But, but, uh, but I know because of how close I got to death on several occasions that when I was going to do this, I needed to be all in, but it took time. Yeah. Right. It took time. Right. And I'm, when I'm ready to do these things, right? right. When I'm ready to start looking at, at these different areas. So we go through those four quadrants, which makes the disease complex, but it also gives us a really good laser focus on what we need to do. Nice. So we got the physical, we got the psychological so we know the psychic change we talk about that continuously Mm -hmm. then we have the social piece which goes right to that rat park experiment where now we're in a group a peer support group of people that are all more or less moving in the same direction at the same time that really understand you at a very deep level that the person going you just need to quit doesn't get (laughs) just just stop yeah and then we've got the spiritual piece right and that's really the quadrant i find and why we spend so much time in treatment on it because that's that really is the quadrant that's zero Right. I mean, if you're still breathing, you got something physiological going right. on in your yeah. favor. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're still if you're not in the, in the psych ward, you've still got something in the psychological domain. If you can hang out with if you can stand another person for three seconds, then then you're OK socially. So so far for three seconds, yeah. for three seconds. For three yeah. seconds. But can I can I just ask you quickly? Where, so when we were talking earlier, you were talking earlier about the, the reward system in our brain. Yeah. So where so where would that fall into these quadrants? Like because like I noticed, at least for me personally, um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of a lot of new things today that I never got satisfaction of, of, about before. Your brain loves new, right? It loves, loves new. new. And loves I remember, new. I remember very, very vividly um, early on in the first ten years of trying to get this thing in and out, in and out. I remember, uh, what am I going to do for fun? You know, <laughs> when I get clean <laughs> yeah, and sober? Exactly. Like seriously, it was a real, it was a real challenge. Curl like, up in the corner and be super you know? depressed. I mean, as it yeah, as it turns yeah. out, everything's more fun. But yeah. but it, but I didn't know this at the time, and 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 I and I guess it came through reward the reward system, right? And I would try stuff, and then I, how I, how did I feel after, yeah. right? Yeah. And my brain would say, well, that felt good. I want more of that, yeah. right? Where does that fall into this in one of these quadrants? Same same thing, right? Yeah. So you're using your reward motivational pathway all the time, yeah. all the time, and which is why we have to do things that keep us interested. But the danger, the double edged sword, is our brain likes new. Mm. Right? And our brain is wired to wind up liking things that really have an impact. So, you know, when I start uh, drinking, my brain goes, 
this was much better than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to remember exactly what this guy's doing to me because I think I want him to repeat that. Yeah. Yeah. And over and over and over (laughs) again is what happens. So if we can also use it to a detriment. So this is also why early on, especially in the first year, right, that people when they get into treatment, they will fall back on something else that is not quite as harmful. Like weed is always the number one default I find. Right. Right, Absolutely. It's like, dude, man, it's It's like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, Jay, the first time you leave treatment and you get, and and you smoke weed. Well, if you do it right, you're going to get high. (laughs) Hopefully, right. Hopefully you're going to get really high. Yeah. So, but, but, but nothing bad's going to happen. Right. So, so then you're going to reinforce that nothing bad happened. That nothing bad happened, right. Right. and you're going to do it again and do it again and do it yeah. again. But your brain, just like we talk about our addiction, doing push-ups in the parking lot, yeah. your brain really likes alcohol. Yeah. Right? So, and all it takes, and how much clear as your brain is starting to clear, what we're trying to get back essentially is more clarity, more insight, more discernment. Right? We can't do that when we're high, and we have right. no hope of spiritual development yeah, whatsoever. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, uh, and Good so, what luck. winds up happening, of course, is that you reinforce that, reinforce that, until one day your inhibitions are gone, your stress levels high, and you're like, "Eff it." Yeah, yeah. Go back to what yeah. I was doing, right? Yeah. Plus, you're probably by yourself. You're getting yeah. none of that social quadrant that we talk about. A few little stresses you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. So we know we can take, and and this is where we have to watch. We can watch people gain a lot of weight while they're early in while they're early in recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can watch people, right? If they admit it, right, start like whacking off all the time. Yeah. It's right. A real Masturbating thing, yeah. all the time. It's a real so, thing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. Right. And because we like, we want that hit of dopamine. We want it. We want it. So the idea is, is that over time, as our brain heals and that clarity, that insight and discernment start to raise up, we start to know better, which is exactly what our spot checks are for. And you, you nailed it at the beginning before we went uh, alive was about check your motive. Right. Yeah. Right. I right. have to apply that. Yeah. And it, it really is, is an insult to a lot of people's intelligence when you're asking them to be mindful of these little phrases, yeah. these little slogans. Mm. Uh, and so, but they're so, so good, powerful. Yeah, they're so powerful. Right, and if you can do that, check your like motive was a game changer. Do the next right thing. Yeah. Right. Do the next yeah. right thing. Check your motive. Is is what I'm about to do good for my recovery? Right. And so this really helps to keep the reward motivational pathway, which has all been kind of like smashed with a sure. wrecking ball. Right. So your brain is like, I want this way up here. Right. I don't know how to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I really want it. Exactly. Like I don't even I know, but I think I, I want that way up there. The yeah. 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 And so yeah. all of the other rewards that used to be important because we were closer to our baseline of normal, you know, playing with our kids, being with a loved one, helping another individual. Right. Like how often is that important when you're in active use? <laughs> well, it isn't, right? No, because you've set a whole your baseline goes up and yeah. up and up and up and up. And none of those things become important. And then we take the survival drive piece into it, that mechanism, incorporate that into it. And then it's like game over, man. It's like, I don't want to use, I don't want to use. And then you're taking out the syringe going like yeah. and it goes, right? Yeah. And you don't even want to do it. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't even want to do it. You don't even want to do it. And yeah. so, and then we get to the point where we just have to drink and use to feel normal. Yeah. Imagine. For sure. So the brain chemistry hugely changes. And that really is kind of the, kind of the, the, the message, right? In terms of like, is addiction a disease? Yes. And, and why is it? And, and not only because it fits the model, but there's actually six main criteria to be in the disease club. Right? Yeah. So one of them is it has to be chronic, which yeah. this is. 
it has to be primary. And all that means is, is that, uh, is that if one, if the first disease takes hold, it opens the door for all kinds of other diseases. Yeah. Right. So if I have, I don't, I don't get cirrhosis of the, of the liver and then get the, the disease of alcoholism. Yeah. Right. I'm an alcoholic, alcoholism first, cirrhosis second. Second. Right? Yeah. So if I wind up, um, uh, having, uh, you know, the disease of addiction first, then I'll have hypertension, uh, diabetes, cardiomyopathy, uh, pancreatitis, oh. whatever it is, all those other things that never would have come into play yeah. if I hadn't had the first one. Exactly. So that's primary, it's chronic. Uh, it's got, let me think, it's got a progressive set of symptoms, right, that we can track. Right. So we know that there's use, there's misuse, there's abuse, and there's dependence. We can track this, yeah. right, over a spectrum. We know that it changes cells in a negative way, primarily the brain cells. Where does it change them? In the prefrontal cortex, which is our impulse and our stress response, and then our reward motivational pathway. There's, it's, it's, you can't refute it. Yeah. Like, there's no argument against it because we know we have the brain scans to prove it. So, uh, and, um, uh, so we've got yeah, primary, chronic, uh, we have predictable set of symptoms, we have changes cells in a negative way. Oh, progressive. Of course, yeah. yeah. So over over time, it always gets worse, never, never better. better. It doesn't yeah. go in a linear line, but up and down, right? Yeah. We have periods where it's not so bad and periods where it's really bad. Yeah. But if we track it on a chart, we know it gets worse over time. Yeah. And then the last thing about a disease in terms of what the hallmarks are is it has a predictable outcome. Yeah. And the predictable outcome, if left alone and not treated, what happens? Yeah. You yeah. die. Yeah. That's right. Mm. So you can't really, and, and then I ask people, does all that sound like addiction? Well, of course. It's primary. It's chronic. Predictable set of symptoms. Predictable outcome. Right. Changes cells in a negative way. Mm. It's progressive. You, it fits exactly, yeah. exactly yeah. as a disease. I like how you mentioned that it's, it's not linear too. Like yeah. it's a, because the reality is, is it's all those little squiggly lines that we come across. That's oh, the stresses yeah. you were talking then we've about. Got the, yeah, then and then we're, we're back to the brain yeah. saying, okay, well, this isn't very good for me. What do I do? And I don't have my reward system and boom. Uh, so it, it, it like explains my 20s. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I would have like these these times where I, I when I share my story, it's like uh I was like cleaning up my act for a while, right? I'd uh, come off of like unemployment and I'd get a new job and I'd get a new girlfriend and it, maybe I'd get a car or two and things would be looking good from the outside and then I'd have a big crash for a while, right? And then I'd repeat that process over and over again. And yeah. it just, and it, it was that, that, you know, that thinking like, oh man, like this time it's going to be different, right? Mm -hmm. This time, you know, I got the right job. I got the right girlfriend. It's all going to be crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so, but uh, as you said, I, it's progressive, right? So it was getting worse and I couldn't see it until it got so bad that I was, I was so sick that I needed to be, you know, put, put in treatment and yeah. But for the grace of God, I made it through that. Locked know? up, put up and shut up. Hey, you know, hey, yeah. I, and I really love, and, I, and I, but I really, I can identify too. We can all identify. I'm sure many one people that are listening can yeah. identify with, we don't see it. So we hear a lot about it being progressive, but we don't, you can't see mm -hmm. that when you're, progressing yeah we, no. you can't see you it when you're, you're in the last it right one to find out yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly that's right what do you, what do you mean yeah. i just realized something i'm an alcoholic when we know you're the last one <laughs> always, to realize it always heard that yeah. right wow. of course of I, I remember when i actually uh, approached my boss that well the second time around to, to go and i couldn't sleep the whole night before i was going in the next day i had to i was going to tell him I, I had a problem and i needed to go get some help i need some time off and i remember walking in and he says 
I'm nervous. Eh? Like I'm nervous. I'm sweating. I'm like panicking, <laughs> and my heart's racing. And I remember saying, uh, "I have to talk to you about something." I go, "I got a, I got a problem." He goes, "Oh, I know. What do you want to do about it?" And it turns out is he had a family member in the twelve step program, and he was super supportive, and he actually helped Amazing. facilitate the whole awesome. thing. He knew all along. Yeah, he was said, "I was waiting right? for you to come to me." Yeah, you know the fear, and you know yeah. just in that when we we read that little piece about that that there's a. Uh, person that wound up reaching out for help uh, online and uh, one of the things was with that that this person identified was I don't want to go to my my work right I don't want them to know basically yeah and so this is why it's so ingrained even in the even in the built like uh, our human rights code right that we treat this as a medical condition yeah and we do rightfully so so people are protected but we, so we don't want to go. We, addiction mm-hmm. doesn't want the light of day because we have that, such a shame yeah. about it. Because well, we, still, yeah. we still, we still don't. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's that, that complex part, right? And it's yeah. like, oh my God. So I don't want to tell anybody. I'm afraid. I'm ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. We still have that. And therein lies what we call the stigma of addiction. Right. And that winds up uh, 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 not allowing people to reach out for help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a part of the reason why we, we decided to, to do this podcast, right? It's like, I'm so no, glad you let, let, let's this. try to reach some, reach some people. Let's try to get connected with, with people that we might not normally be connected with. You know, shout out to South Africa. What's going on out What's there? What's going on out there? I heard you guys have a following <laughs> there, it's man. Amazing. I was actually there they like, once. They like That's us cool. there. That's yeah, great. We, we are, love you. Yeah, 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 we love you. No yeah, doubt. Yeah, what, a, sure. what an incredibly informative episode. I feel like I just got taken to school. That was, that oh was my amazing. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, yeah. this is certainly nothing that I came up with on my own. No, I mean, I'm no, just a conduit oh, you for information. Oh, no, 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 we, we got to start no, over. We got to start over. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you, expl- you explained it so well, right, Glenn? Like, yeah. it, it just, yeah. definitely well, yeah. amazing. Well, I appreciate that. It just, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking deeply about these things, right? Yeah. I, and I wanted to bring to the light of day in terms of, you know, what, what was interesting to me, and, and I wanted some answers. I wanted to find out why I kept continually relapsing, why I went to treatment three times, why I built my life back up to the point where everyone went, well, wow, look at you, and then pulled it all down again. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, and what I happened? I so identify with this. Yeah. And so I, I was just so super curious. And again, you know, that faith piece had come in because I didn't know what my life was going to look like because I had to leave my previous career completely behind uh, when I decided to jump into this. And I just have never been able to get enough. I'm just so super stoked and so super interested in this. And when people have this information, you know, do with it what you will. But at least if you can incorporate, really, listen, I have a disease that needs to be managed because God knows that it's managed me for such a long yeah. time. Yeah. And Gosh. what do I need? And I got a prescription for this, right? It's right. not a conventional prescription. I don't go and get a pill for it, right? Yeah. As, although the, we've tried that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. By your doctor with a puffy coat at the end of the corner, at the uh, end of the street. Pretty sure I so, crushed mine. But we know that we have those four quadrants to rely on, that we have to look at, that are all in the big book. So yeah. my prescription involves the physical. It involves the, 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 the psychological. It involves the social. It involves the spiritual. And bam, man, it's all there in the 12 yeah. steps. Yeah. It's, it's been there since 1939, which is incredible, right? Yeah, it blew me yeah. away when that light bulb went on, <laughs> Dustin. When I when I put those two together, I was like, man, I wanted to tell everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. And the first person I told didn't care. <laughs> I was like, is it just me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. like, yeah, whatever. No, you're not alone. No way. <laughs> I'm like, this is the greatest revelation I've ever had. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. These guys are doing such a huge service. It's so important, uh, and and I was blown away by the reach that you guys have. Yeah, as well. Yeah, that we, is so. We, we were too incredibly humble. We, we, we thought maybe four of our friends would would, would listen to it. I thought three. I knew <laughs> I knew one was going to pretend. Yeah, we're <laughs> uh, just uh, you know, it's our it's it's our wish, you know, that just to 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 connect with people, right? To, yeah. That someone might hear this and go, you know, like maybe maybe I can have that too. Yeah, that's yeah. so hip. It's Hope. so hip. Yeah. I, I gotta admit, when you just said 1939, and I'm looking at your hat, I don't know what's what you see. my brain is wired in such a way. You said 1939. I'm looking at your hat, and I automatically saw you delivering papers. I just, I just He's gonna start his car with a crank at the front. <laughs> Auga, his little horn. Yeah, now, yeah. Auga, I love now, it. Now I'm worried, right? I I I walk yeah. through life, and a lot of people tell me they like this hat, but and now I'm. I love it. Don't don't let my don't let the, the opinion of one alcoholic. <laughs> In a, in a basement in Whippy, Ontario. You planted the seed now. Yeah. It's, 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 it's impossible. I got to call my sponsor. I'm, I... <laughs> the reward system. <laughs> the reward system. I think you look super handsome. Uh, what does your wife yeah. think? Actually, oh. more importantly, what do you think, bro? You like uh, I, I, I like it. My <laughs> wife likes it. Hey, I appreciate you not calling me handsome today on the podcast. I appreciate that. I didn't see it. I thought I mocked your hat for a <laughs> He is pretty handsome. He's a handsome guy. Oh, handsome thank guy. you, guys. Appreciate <laughs> that. Pretty I'll take the it. Oh, hey, man. shout out to uh, Warren P. Thank you very much yes. for all that you do thank for us behind much. the scenes. Yes. Uh, who else we David got? David Deeg doing David the editing. Deeg. Right? We can yeah. never forget that. We always got to thank C Liam. Liam and his dad for the... For the uh, the intro and thank uh, Glenn for coming yeah, in, thank man. Glenn for coming today, like, wow. man. Wow, yeah, what a, what a brother. mind blowing episode today. What a mind blowing season, yeah. bro. Who saw this coming, I man? Know. What what so a finale, amazing. Glenn. Amazing, buddy. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thank, thank you rock so and roll. Thanks, coming. guys. So are we gonna see? We're we gonna see you at the Christmas special. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So oh, ho ho. Here we go. We gotta get Glenn back for season two for sure. For season two, yeah, we'll have him in for something. Well, yeah, as he up. says, we'll unpack some more stuff. Unpack. Hey, I love it. Absolutely. Dynamite. For sure. Let's do it. Oh, what's that? Oh, we didn't hit record? We got to start over? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. The warm up. Thank yeah. you so much for uh, tuning in and supporting us. Uh, www.relatingandrecovery.com. Uh, services section. You can scroll down. Um, the website is in uh, con- under construction, but there's lots of great stuff there as well. Yeah. And yeah. thanks for joining us this season. Yeah. Love, peace, and Canada geese. And French fry grease. (laughs)